This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Is Parkinson's an artistic superpower? For some, it may be. Doing artwork is the only time that I can totally check out. Like it's the only time where my brain turns off, you know, where it's not thinking of all the other things in life. I'm really free, <laughs> and I like that a lot. It feels good. Deborah Maggot is an artist living with Parkinson's disease. She's also the subject of a documentary called Shake With Me, which is now available for free on Vimeo. You don't have to look at the camera. I can, I can keep talking to you. Yeah. Oh, that's a little more natural. Yes. We'll start again. Hello. <laughs> I am Deborah Maggot, and my son Zachary is behind the camera making this documentary. Um, I am a lot of things in life. I am a, a mother and a wife and an artist and a designer. I was a daughter for a long time. I'm a sister. I think that covers it. I'm a cousin. I guess also now I'm a Parkinson's patient. But I think it says something that it took me till now to say that. I met Deborah at a screening of the documentary for the Michael J. Fox Foundation's Patient Council. In this episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's, I took some of the clips from the film and chatted with Deborah's son, Zach Grant, who's a photographer and filmmaker who lives in New York. The documentary was his idea. He directed, produced, and filmed it. She was diagnosed in 2012, um, and it was a very secretive thing, even amid, not just outside of our family, but within our family. Um, part of our family story is that my mom kept her diagnosis secret from my sister and I for almost a year. Um, and I think that kind of environment of secrecy led to us wanting to really ask all these questions that I think for a long time that we couldn't ask. The film explores a Parkinson's diagnosis through Zach's eyes with the help of his mom, her art, his dad, and his sister Elizabeth. The first symptom Zach's father Jim recalls is the tremor. I noticed it for a couple weeks at the kitchen table during dinners that she had a little tremor. And what I had to go on about how mom was feeling was she said to me, we're not telling the children. She was scared. Um, we both were. Uh, still am. You know, you were older... So you had already like, a, sort of started your path. You had started your journey into whatever your life was going to be. But your sister was still living at home. And I was afraid like, if she thought I was sick that like, she wouldn't even go to college, like, that she wouldn't launch. And I didn't want that to happen. I was in her drawer, and I saw a pill bottle wedged in the very back of the drawer. But as soon as I saw it, it said Department of Neuroscience on it, I knew. So I can only imagine what it's like to have your, like your body is telling your secret, but you're not ready. My, my parents invited me up one Sunday, totally innocuously. Um, and then my mom and I were sitting outside and she, you know, said, I have something to tell you. And she explained, and the moment she said something, I immediately noticed that her hand was shaking, which kind of like, was all I could think about was like how I didn't see that. Do you remember that conversation with me? You mean the conversation where I told you that I had part? Oh, absolutely, sitting in the backyard? Yeah, totally, I remember, totally. I felt terrible telling you. I felt like I was, like, 
changing your life in a not positive way. And in my mind from the outside, it seems to me like this project is how you have processed the fact that I have Parkinson's. This has been your vehicle to understand it. Like many people, I didn't really understand Parkinson's at all when she told me. I had this very kind of limited, um, almost stereotypical view of what Parkinson's meant. So my mind kind of went to the most extreme kind of stereotypical places with it without really understanding that there's no playbook for Parkinson's that, you know, the diagnosis takes shape on an individual level and really can't be predicted. But I, I had no clue. I had no understanding of that when she told me. So I immediately, you know, kind of assumed the worst. Um, and, you know, we've been very fortunate seven years in and, you know, the progression has been noticeable, but quite slow. Slow, but notable at least for Deborah, when she's painting. Do you hear that? Or is it only me who hears that? Do you hear something shaking? Like, no, it stopped. Sometimes I'm, I'm not aware I'm shaking and then I'll hear the sound of the vibration. That, do you hear that? That's my hand. That must be the table or, or the cup or something's rattling because my hand is shaking. You know, this is one of the times when I don't feel totally in control of my hands. Most of the time it doesn't bother me, but this does. Just holding it? It feels like, even though, you know, I can see, looking at the movement, I'm doing the movement I need to be doing, but it doesn't feel the same to me. feels like thick. You know, I'm right-handed, and right now the Parkinson's is only on my left side, and particularly my left hand. So I, I do feel lucky that I can control everything on my right hand. My left hand shakes sometimes when I'm holding the paints or the water or something like that, but that doesn't matter. My mom's art is this, it really toes the line between reality and abstraction. And I think that's uh, an interesting theme just when I think about her life over the last five years in general is like she's you know her reality is parkinson's disease but in a way she kind of wants to um not ignore that but but put that in a back burner and live in this kind of alternate universe where where she can control everything as much as she wants and i think you know she does these really striking abstract portraits uh where you know you you have these massive eyes that create such intrigue and you know part of the there's a there's a part in the film uh that talks about what she sees when she looks into the eyes of uh the the portraits that she that she creates as soon as i put those eyes in i can see her looking at me like i can see her sort of spirit in there she has those intense eyes those really deep brown eyes and so in a way kind of projecting 
stories through the eyes of her subjects is a is a mode of escapism. Well, and you talk about the eyes, but as I as I looked at some of her portraits, which are just striking, they they all almost have the the Parkinson's masked face, where there's not a lot of expression. Interesting. Uh, everything yeah. is powerful through the eyes, and she really puts a lot of power and emotion into the hair of people. <laughs> yes. Well, so so hair is where she um, really bends the 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 uh, bends reality. You know, like somebody could have brown hair, and, and her portraits they'll have striking red or purple hair. Um, so I think you know that's that's something that my mom has kind of, has become a bit of a signature in terms of taking certain elements and making them real and projecting real emotions into them through eyes and mouths and, and, and noses. But then also, you know, whether it's through skin tones or through hair, really just turning that whole equation on its head. And, um, you know, my mom says reality is boring. And so I think that's something that comes through a lot in her, in her paintings. Well, and it's, what's great about it is it's kind of, uh, She's part of a trend. I mean, I know last year I took a painting for Parkinson's course and uh, workshop, and uh, they 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 taught you how to you know do like a watercolor with you know a boat scene or whatever, and uh, which was great. And it's a creative outlet. And for a lot of people, their creativity juices just you know turn on full volume when they get Parkinson's. Yeah, it's I, we've been trying. I've been trying to figure out. I was like, this is this what happens? My mom insists that. She was going to get back into art um, when my sister went away to college regardless. Um, but I, I have to think that there's some connection. And I think whether whether it's brain chemistry or it's just the sense of urgency. I, I see a lot in my mom mm-hmm. this sense of urgency of, you know, my right hand uh, could start to be affected by Parkinson's any day. And so if I don't be – if I'm not as productive as I could possibly be – through the context of my artwork, I'm, I'm just, I'm wasting time. I do feel really um, lucky to have found such a strong voice, you know, later in my life. You know, maybe I needed this major life-changing event to happen before I could figure out what my voice was. I think Parkinson's is just like a a little bird sitting on your shoulder going tick tock tick tock you know time is going and don't waste what you have that's a big theme in the film is is this kind of ticking clock of uh, when you don't know when exactly it's going to expire but um i d- i will say though that um i my mom will definitely continue to make artwork regardless of how her Parkinson's uh, evolves. I, I don't think she would ever give it up. It just might have to evolve and change. But her work has evolved immensely over the last three and a half years. So I think whatever evolution will need to happen to support that will be a natural evolution. When and if it happens that my right hand starts to go, I'll just figure out another way to do it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to stop. When she watched your art, your movie, of her yes. doing her art, how, what did she notice and how did she feel about 
she she was very overwhelmed uh i i couldn't watch it with her it was just too it would have been too overwhelming yeah. so i sent her i sent her a link uh and she called me you know right after she watched it and kind of in a in a state of shock uh so i think originally it was just shock as time goes on she with every viewing she definitely notices new details um that come through within the film and and the reality is you know we some of the f- earliest footage is from the fall of 2016 and so there are certainly some physical changes that you know looking at my mom today uh you notice and that that's kind of the for me that's the hardest part is that i've always thought of this film as capturing the now and in a way i can see how things are have changed and potentially will continue to change yeah, it's a nice time capsule. I mean, I think it was meant to be, hey, this is what we're going through now. And now it's like, that's what we did then. Totally. Oh, totally. And, um, you know, that's not lost upon me that this will live forever and be something that we can point to that captures this moment in time and, and tells other people this moment in time, regardless of how things change. In talking with Zach, I could tell that while the film is about his mom's Parkinson's and how it impacts her art, it really turned out to be about a lot more than that. On both of our levels, and and as well as my father, as well as my sister, who are also part of the film, there was this desire to have these conversations about how Parkinson's has affected our family. I, I think if I knew that that was the goal of the film, and I kind of put that into my pitch to my mom to start, I, I think she might have had second thoughts about it. But because <laughs> my focus was around art and uh, the realities of being an artist with Parkinson's, it, it felt a bit more contained and like a fun thing to do together. Uh, I don't think if I told her at the time, you know, in 2016, that this would be a close to four year process that she would have necessarily (laughs) agreed to it. Because the film involves the whole family, depending on if you're a person with Parkinson's, a care partner, a son or a daughter or a friend of someone with PD, everyone seems to be able to get something from it. For those who are not Parkinson's patients, I've I've heard from uh, a few people who have seen the film that you know they really identify with my with my dad and my sister um, because they're you know they want to be you know they understand the balance of being uh, endlessly optimistic but also being a realist about what the future holds at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's a little um, I guess melancholy at times uh, when you when just looking. And hearing the conversations with like your dad, you you, mm-hmm. you can sense that he he is thinking about the future. I do worry about the fact that drawing is such a part of her life now, because she has this thing she didn't do her entire life since she's like 22 or 23, and now it's immersed in her life, and it's hopefully something she never has to give up. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's. That's there's there's a lot of tension in that for our family in general of like how to how to not think about the future, but also plan for the future all at the same time. There's no I think nobody teaches you those skills of like how to be endlessly supportive, but also want to talk about, you know, what happens you know, what type of house should we live in, all the practical considerations that come with, um, uh, you know, Parkinson's diagnosis over time. Those are real things that, uh, you know, uh, real decisions come from. But you also understand, like, you know, my mom's method of coping and a lot of people's method of coping is just to be, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Um, So it's there's this real tension in the film within my family that, um, 
I think a lot of people related to in that in that you have to find this balance where you can be able to talk about the future and acknowledge the realities of the future, but also live in the present and enjoy the present as much as possible. Many of us have been through the wide range of emotions of accepting or wrestling with Parkinson's. I asked Zach how the cameras impacted their discussions. It depended on who who I was talking to. A- after a certain point, uh, you know, we got a few months in, my mom and I filming and had done a handful of shoot days. And the the boundary of the camera kind of started to disappear in a really nice way where we where I could ask these really pointed directed questions direct questions like why you know why did you hide it from my sister and I for a year you know the 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 camera kind of became invisible which is you know in documentary that's the best thing you can ask for um when it came to my dad and sister I think there was they were a bit more apprehensive around it um you know we we had all spoke um, individually about the diagnosis uh, uh, separate of my mom, but I think there was some apprehension of like talking about my mom without her there on camera. Um, so that was an element that we kind of just had to feel out. I, I was definitely had to be pushier than I, I would have liked to be um, in the context of an interview to just get my dad and sister to open up. But I mean, it, it, as far as the stuff that we got there, they're arguably the most compelling factors in the film because my mom is this source of incredible, inspiring positivity, which I think you have to have uh, as a Parkinson's patient. But um, and but my dad and sister, you know, they they're grounded in reality, which is also very important. So you do the film, you're touring the film, you're telling your story. How's the family doing now? My family has come to terms with what the diagnosis is right now. And in a lot of ways, it's that's a very manageable thing to kind of come to terms with. My mom's art is thriving. She lives a fairly normal life. Um, you know, she travels, she drives, she works, she paints. Like So Parkinson's is, has a role in her life for sure, but it's, it's always an evolving thing in terms of you know, medication and my mom being more willing to try medication or symptoms evolving and her, you know, being more frustrated by them. Uh, She's much, much more honest and transparent about that stuff than where we came from. Um, But again, that's, you know, I think that's something we take very much one day at a time. My family's been able to come to terms with that over the last, you know, six, seven years. Uh, But I do think and, and, that there will be kind of this next stage of like if if the if her Parkinson's gets worse or becomes more debilitating or requires um, you know different kinds of support, I think you know we're prepared for that, but we also are will have to kind of learn through that at the same time. Yeah, get those cameras rolling. Nah. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know if there's a, if there's a phase two. Um, the beauty of what I what I. I'm really proud of in the film is it really captures this moment of, of, of the now, yeah. uh, you know, when in the content after filming for two years, I kind of had to make a, a larger existential decision of, you know, what was this film about? Was this about tracking an illness or was this a film about capturing this very unique moment in time for my family? Um, and I kind of netted out with the latter and that's, you know, you've obviously seen the film, but the film ends in a way where the ending is kind of, um, undefined, and I think that's really true to our experience right now. Is that we've we've been able to capture and uh, encapsulate in a really amazing way the last five years 
but the future is really yet to be written. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to make a film that was about kind of tracking a, a degenerative right. disease. You know, there's certainly amazing films out there that do that. How has it changed you? Changed me. Um, I mean, I think in general, it's made me both as a filmmaker and just a person in general, much more in tune with the way I feel about things. I think I think this film was this not cry for attention, but was this was this really uh, ambitious way of of trying to get more in touch with my with my feelings around Parkinson's Um, and kind of now I'm in this place artistically where I want to do more personal stories. And in fact, I don't really want to touch anything that I can't find a personal way into. Uh, so for me as a filmmaker, um, it's kind of set off this light bulb of, of understanding the types of stories I want to tell and understanding, um, how I'm, I work best as far as being a creative, uh, as a, just a, on a human level, as a person, um, it definitely, I'm definitely, you know, it's having conversations with my mom now is easy. I can say, oh, I've noticed this or that, or I'll forward her random things that the Fox Foundation or other resources emails me. Uh, so in terms of the communication within the family and the communication with just anybody in my world, I can, it, it comes so naturally at this point to talk about what Parkinson's means and, and not on a surface level to really get into the, the details of it. So, um, this project, it's, I say it all the time and I don't mean it lightly. It's been totally life-changing for, for both me and my family at large. The film shake with me is about 30 minutes long and available for free on Vimeo. The link is in the show notes or just Google Shake With Me Film and it'll come up. Thanks to Zach Grant, Deborah Maggot, Jim Grant, and Elizabeth Grant for letting us peek into their lives. Deborah has a website where she sells her paintings. You can check it out at DebraMaggot.com. 25% of the proceeds go to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's research. As I've said many times on this podcast and throughout my journey, the more we're willing to tell our stories of Parkinson's and raise awareness of the disease, the more funds are raised and the more research we can do and the closer we get to stopping PD in its tracks. How did you or your family deal with Parkinson's? Has PD made you more artsy, more creative, more hopeful? You can record a voice message for this podcast at speakpipe.com slash when life gives you Parkinson's. Denise Kelly did just that. She called in after listening to the last episode. Hi, it's Denise Kelly from North Vancouver, and I have just finished listening to the podcast where Jeanette and Barry openly and authentically tell their story about Jeanette's misdiagnosis, and I am so touched. Um, I laughed, I cried, and... I just want to say kudos for the strength that you had to share your story openly. And I want you to know that uh, Brendan and I and our family, who have known you for a long time, uh, truly are there for you. And I hope you felt the love that we've tried to share with you during this terrible time. Even though we haven't seen you, um, my my heart is there with you. And, and I think you know that. And I 
look forward, so look forward to being a part of your um, community loving care team. And um, I am there and I can't wait for us to discuss how we can uh, get through those hungover days that you feel sometimes uh, and uh, do some fun things and and, uh, spend lots of time together. So uh, I just wanted to say... um, Love you and uh, thank you for um, finding the means in which you can share your story. And I look forward to sharing that with others so that they don't have to go through the same thing. Cheers. Thanks, Denise. I forwarded that message directly to Jeanette and Barry, and they're very appreciative. Leave your message at speakpipe.com slash when life gives you Parkinson's. So now you have a new documentary to watch. I'd also like to put in a quick plug for Tim Haig's book, Perseverance. It's soon to be available in paperback wherever you buy books. In your book, Perseverance, The Seven Skills You Need to Survive, Thrive, and Accomplish More Than You Ever Imagined, you talk about the nature of luck. And do you, do you think your Parkinson's diagnosis as it relates to entering the amazing race was a, just sort of a stroke of luck? Yeah, you could look at it that way. Because, I mean, they always look look for interesting backstories, right? They look for that story that they can tell. And they're has yet to be another story quite like ours. And uh, that we, for that, we were very fortunate in that regard. And then uh, as it relates to your son and him being able to do all those heavy lifting things, it's what you talk about accepting your limits and focusing uh, on what you can do and accomplishing more than you ever thought possible. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, you, it's, it's, it's a really cool story. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're, uh, we're continually blessed and pleased that people take away encouragement and uh, the the hope that they seem to find in the story. That's very meaningful to us. And uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, accepting limits is the fact that there was a day in the race that I probably wouldn't have gotten through it by myself. And I, I could have chosen to not ask my son for help that day and probably failed, or at least done far worse than we would have otherwise. And that's uh, a bit of pride that's sometimes hard to swallow. You know, we don't always like to go there. But the fact is, we, we went further in the race because I did. And so that was, you know, awesome. <laughs> he was an incredible help. Do you find it easier, the more you ask for help or admit, I can't do this today, uh, that it gets easier over time to not put on that veneer of, oh, I'm great today, even when you're not? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you still do it, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's always hard, right? I'm 54 years old. Uh, I'm not even at Freedom 55 yet, and yet I've been retired for three years. Uh, that's still a hard pill to swallow, uh, and I think there's lots of us like that, that it's just tough a lot of days, but I work very hard at staying balanced, at realizing that there are millions, if not billions of people on the planet who would trade places with me today, even with my Parkinson's, if they had the choice, because my life is still so much better in so many ways than so many people. So you you try to keep that perspective, that Regardless of Parkinson's, I have been blessed beyond measure. So, on those days when I don't want to ask for help, on those days that I'm irritated that I do have to ask for help, try to remember to just ask and be gracious in it nonetheless. 
Perseverance. It's soon to be available in paperback wherever you buy books. All right, Larry, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. And our partners at uh, Parkinson Canada have updated and released new Parkinson's clinical guidelines, which address many aspects of diagnosis. You can read more online at parkinsonsclinicalguidelines.ca. Also, I want to remind you there's a great 52-week-long fundraiser underway. Uh, 25 of my friends and I have uh, put together uh, a uh, fundraiser on Facebook that's rotating every two weeks to a different person. So Tim Haig will do it for two weeks, and Becca Miller will do it two weeks, and some others that you've heard on the podcast before. And, and it's rotating through 11 different countries through the year of 2020. And so every two weeks, it goes to somebody else. I've already done mine, but you can donate anytime at wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. We're raising money for travel grants for people with young-onset Parkinson's disease to join us at the World Parkinson Congress in Barcelona in 2022. We thank you for your help. We're hoping to raise $50,000. Next time on When Life Gives You Parkinson's. As somebody who has Parkinson's, people are like, how'd you get it? I'm like, I don't know. Every Parkinson patient gets it for a different reason. We had instantaneous young-onset Parkinson's due to a contaminant in a synthetic heroin. So we've identified Paraquat as a potential disruptor, so I'm sure that's illegal everywhere in the world, right? No, absolutely not. It's actually still one of the most widely used herbicides in the world. Some of the genetic risk factors don't do anything unless you're exposed to certain environmental toxins. So not everybody who's exposed to Paraquat gets Parkinson's. What we do know is that when you do an autopsy on um, the brains of individuals who have had Parkinson's, we know that they have Lewy bodies, these clumping, what we call the clumping of alpha-synuclein. We know they have these clumps in their brains. And so the theory is... Let's go after these clumps because they exist and they don't exist in the brains of individuals who don't have Parkinson's disease. There's whether it's head trauma, uh, your diet, uh, pesticides, and your genetic background, you add it all up, some people get Parkinson's. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast. Our presenting sponsor is Parkinson Canada, parkinson.ca. Thank you to our special guest, Zach Grant, Deborah's son and the filmmaker. The website for the film is shakewithmefilm.com, and you can view the film Shake With Me for free on Vimeo. You can check out Zach's other work at zachgrant.com. Deborah Magid uh, is uh, sharing her Parkinson story, and we thank her for that. And you can check out her art at her website, deboramagid.com. Also, thanks to Jim Grant, Deborah's husband, and Elizabeth Grant, Deborah's daughter. If you're interested in other episodes of how families deal with diagnosis, try season one, episode two, titled Sharing the Diagnosis, Saying I Love You, and The Larry Filter. It's where I talk to my siblings about my new diagnosis. And if you want to hear about another Parkinson's film, season one extra dosage from November 14th, Lights Camera Parkinson's about the film The New Music. Special thanks to our promotional partners, Spotlight YOPD and Parkinson's IQ Plus U, the free series of Parkinson's events from the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And thank you to you. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating. 
And please share in the comments why you recommend listening to this podcast. You can also engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can email at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is written and hosted by me, Larry Gifford, and Nikki Reitmeyer. Dila Velazquez is our story producer and sound designed by Rob Johnston. Keep positive, keep exercising, keep listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.